Thank you for joining us for Revive the Drive, a ministry of the Bethany Fellowship of Churches. We live in a world where time is a precious commodity. One of the avenues for reviving our souls is the necessary commute to and from the many places our schedules take us. As the wheels of the car begin to turn, join our panel and set the wheels of your mind in motion as you consider the significance and impact of theology on everyday life. Let's listen in as our pastors talk theology. Hey, thank you for joining us at Revive the Drive. This is Rich Burkle, and I'm here with Art Georges and Daniel Bennett. And this series is a series discussing issues related to salvation, and today we're going to be talking about whether a person can lose their salvation, whether a person's salvation is secure eternally or not. And we want to address a few questions. We want to first ask the question, why is it that many people in the church believe you can lose your salvation? And then our contention is going to be that once a person receives the salvation of God, God secures that salvation eternally for them. And so why do we believe that? And then finally, how can we be sure? How can we know that we have this eternal life? Uh, What brings assurance to a soul on that matter? So let's talk about this question. Why is it that many in Jesus' church believe that a person can lose their salvation? What do you guys think? Well, I think people that that believe that uh, on the positive side are are taking some very strong warning passages in Scripture seriously. For example, Hebrews 6 is probably one of the most famous of the warning passages. It says... Uh, he encourages us to leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and to go on to maturity. And he says, verse th- 3, and this we will do if God permits, for it's impossible to restore again to repentance those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the power of the age to come, if they then fall away, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him to contempt. And it goes on, and, and there are other passages that talk about the life of holiness that a believer is to live and, and how without holiness no one will see the Lord and uh, the the idea of, of uh, being a liar if you say that you know God and yet don't love other believers in First John and if we don't obey his commandments, we don't know God. And so there's a, a lot of passages that rightly rec- that that tell us that a person that truly knows God is going to have a, a lifestyle, fruit that reflects a true faith. And so a person can look at those passages and say, wow, I, I know this person who proclaimed faith in Jesus Christ, and yet their lifestyle doesn't reflect what Scripture says their lifestyle should, should reflect, and so they must have lost their salvation. Right. I think it's also uh, an effort to explain or protect against what we call easy believism, that mm-hmm. someone says, yeah, I, I'm a believer, but their life— uh, may at one point have reflected uh, a desire to to do the things that Christians do, and now their life no longer looks that way. And what happened? They must have lost their salvation. Yeah, and there are those within the church who twist the doctrine of the security of the believer in that direction, aren't there? I, I had a professor at seminary who told of a young woman he knew who uh, was a believer, and uh, she gave great fruit of her commitment to Christ, and yet there was a time in her life when she completely repudiated Christ. Uh, She became apostate. She says, I no longer believe in God. I don't believe in Jesus Christ as Savior. 
um, and uh, completely walked away from the faith. And this professor said that he knows this person is saved. And I remember sitting there, what? what? I, I could not believe what I was hearing, that he would, would make that statement. He absolutely knows that this individual who now repudiates Christ and rejects him openly is rescued by Christ. And, and so there are people who do represent that particular sort of brand of this doctrine of the perseverance of the saints or of eternal security. And, and so uh, I think a lot of people are responding to that kind of teaching or that kind of view. And so if, if that girl were talking to a person who believes you can lose your salvation, and then she was talking to you, both you and the person who believed that you could lose your salvation reached the same conclusion about her current state. She is not right with God. Right. <laughs> but we would have a, a much different understanding about her initial relationship with God. Yeah, and, you know, John addresses this very issue in First John chapter 2, verse 19. He says, mm-hmm. They went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us, mm. but they went out so that it would be shown that they are all not of us. And, you know, it, it references, you know, Judas is ultimately a great example of, of this. There are a few other examples in Scripture I think we can point to of people who made false profession and who appeared very much to be believing, but um, by their confession and by their life, they revealed that they were not. But John explains that, not that they had a salvation, that they lost it. That's not how John would explain Judas. He would explain, he went out from us because he really never was of us. In other words, he had an external appearance of salvation, of the life of God in his soul, but that it was only external. It was not real. And that ultimately, that that imitation faith, uh, that inauthentic belief, gave expression through apostasy. Right, yeah. And I think of the parable of the soils. I think the reason that this becomes such a major issue within the church is because uh, people lack a biblical understanding of salvation, and uh, the deeper we get into Scripture, we see that uh, the Scriptures actually cover instances where it looked like something was happening, but there really wasn't saving faith. The parable of the soils that Jesus taught in Matthew 13, uh, the first soil was so hard that nothing happened, uh, but there were two soils in between the good soil and this hard soil, uh, which initially looked like uh, there there was something happening that may, perhaps salvation had come, but Jesus said that there was a uh, that there was a stealing of that soil through a choking out of cares of the world or uh, persecution, and so there was no fruit. And ultimately, uh, the only soil that represents saving faith was the good soil that produced at a different degree of fruitfulness. Uh, not any of us are going to uh, have the same degree of fruitfulness as the next person. God, God gives the 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 blessing of fruit to all of our ministries. And so the deeper we get into the Word of God, we see that uh, the Scriptures have covered this apparent uh, thing that looks like someone losing their salvation. That's right. This this question about whether a person can lose their salvation, it is a very important one practically, but I also acknowledge it's not central to the gospel. In other words, I believe that there are people, many people, 
who are eternally secure, who don't believe that they're eternally secure. In other words, they believe they can lose their salvation, but they really are secure in Christ. And so uh, you don't have to believe this doctrine in order to be saved Mm -hmm. or to be secured by Christ. But it's an important one because it has some huge practical ramifications, doesn't it? So what are some of those practical ramifications about whether a person believes this or not? Why are we even talking about this? Yeah, so why do we why do we believe a believer secure and what are the, the practical ramifications there? And, and there's there's a lot of, of passages. We've already kind of addressed some of them that, that help us understand why we believe in the security of the believer. Um, I think one of the key doctrines in scripture that, that excites my heart is is the doctrine of, of adoption. You know, and I think of the heavenly adoption of our by our heavenly father of us and how that gives us assurance that we're we're going to be with God forever. Uh, you know, in Romans five, we see that it was is while we were His enemies that that God saves us, and and then in Romans chapter eight, he's he's talking about how we can how we can have this confidence. He says in verse twenty six of Romans eight, likewise the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray. As for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, and He searches, and He who searches our hearts knows what it what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Uh, and He and He goes on. He, he talks about how we've, we He those He He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. And so there's the the practical outworking of this adoption that occurs earlier in chapter 8, in uh, verses 12 through 17. We've received this spirit of adoption where we cried, Abba, Father. Uh, we're, we're the children of God and heirs. And so the practical outworking of that adoption is this this working by God, not ourselves, but God's working to continue in this process of sanctification for those that he's called and, and adopted as, as his sons and daughters. Right. I think of Philippians that says that he who began a good work will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. So the work of salvation is one of those good works that God begins and purposes to bring to completion uh, at the coming of Christ Jesus. I also think of part of the importance of this, at least part of it, can be expressed in in how we know and understand God. And and God is a good God who gives good things. And Scripture says that his gifts and his calling are irrevocable. Yeah. And so uh, the believer cannot forfeit. In fact, First uh, Peter chapter 1 says that we've been born again to this living hope uh, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But it also says that we are being kept by his power. That's Very right. interesting that that word for kept is used in in instances where it's protected from an outside assault, but also protected from escaping. Uh, And so in those two senses, we will not uh, default from the faith, and we will not be snatched. As Jesus says, no one can snatch us from his hands. And what you just said there about basing it on the character of God and his his goodness, what, what would we think of an earthly parent who abandoned his children? We would think, well, that's that's not a very good parent. You know, there's a story of a an adoption situation a few years ago where the the person just 
put the child back on a plane to their the country they came from. We think what a mm. what a terrible situation. What a, what a bad God's not a bad parent. He's he's a loving parent, and he's he's as you said a parent that, that keeps us by his power. Right, and it relates to those questions we discussed earlier about salvation. You know, is salvation a, a complete work of God on our behalf toward us who are sinners and helpless and dead in our sins? Or is salvation a cooperative work of our own doing and of God's doing? And if we, if we think of salvation as the latter, that it's a cooperative work of our doing plus God's doing, and together uh, we end up being saved or rescued, then we can understand why a person would believe you could lose your salvation because there's something about your work that might be deficient. But if we believe, as the Bible teaches, that salvation is completely of God, mm. and it's completely of his work from beginning, middle, and all the way to the end, then for us to lose our salvation is, is a deficiency of God's goodness and faithfulness and, and sovereign power in our life, isn't it? And so uh, it is on the basis of the character of God and the revelation of God through the Scripture that we believe that those who have been adopted into God's family are kept by God. I like Wayne Grudem's definition of perseverance. He writes, perseverance uh, means all those who are born again will be kept by God's power. That's your first Peter art. Will be kept by God's power and will persevere as Christians until the end of their lives. And that only those who persevere until the end have been truly born again. Uh, I like that definition for a number of reasons. But you know, there are many who talk about this doctrine uh, in the terms of once saved, always saved. And, and I'm a little uncomfortable with that phraseology because of how so often it's misapplied. Uh, there are, again, many who, who believe in the doctrine of eternal security but misapply it completely in their own lives. They think, well, I can sin all the I want then because God has to forgive me now. God is not going to let me go. He can't let me go, and so I can just live my life to the devil and to my own flesh, chasing after sin, and, and I don't have to be concerned about that anymore. Well, there's <clears throat> there's a problem with that view, though, isn't there? Because we read in Scripture that once we become children of God through salvation, then he chastens us as a loving parent would any child who was rebelling against his ways, against his authority. And so if someone thinks that they get a free pass to live as they desire, they, they need to uh, read what Scripture says about uh, the chastening of God that will uh, get them back on the path. I, I sort of think of a foot race and the fact that uh, God is going to see us finish the foot race, and he's going to send about the means to help us to do that, to accomplish the goal of finishing with faith. Right. And and also, along with that, Art, as, as a, a person thinks that way, they really, I think, should question whether or not they've been born again, because... Right. That hard attitude is contrary to what true faith and repentance means, that, that you don't want to be moving in that direction anymore because you recognize it's a place of death and, and uh, a loss of the glory of God and of life itself. Well, let's talk about that last question. So there's uh, many believers, genuine, sincere, sweet believers, oftentimes believers with soft consciences who, who uh, turn uh, in their beds at night out of concern over whether or not they're truly saved. How can a person be assured then, if, if God saves us and he saves us effectively and eternally, how can we be assured that that work has happened in our own hearts? Well, uh, I think maybe each of us has tried to uh, 
help someone who struggled with assurance and and the right answer probably is not to tell them no you do believe and and because you believed and prayed a prayer uh you're saved that's not the right answer the right answer uh is testified to in scripture several times it's the internal uh affirmation of the holy spirit within the life of the believer there is this uh, crying out of God, not just as the Creator God, but as the Father, Abba Father. There is this relationship that is testified to by the believer from the Holy Spirit who dwells in him or her that he or she, through their faith, has become a child of God. And so we offer a person who has professed faith in Jesus Christ the same assurance that, that Scripture offers them. You know, I think what Art just said is good and you, you go through a book like first john that says hey here's some things that are going to be true of a child of god and you ask them are these things true of you D- do you love to obey god does it bother you when you don't obey god do you love other believers do you do you love god and so a, a person that uh, is showing the fruit of the spirit they, they, they acknowledge yes i've placed my faith in jesus christ i've repented of my sins you say well if, if that's true that God's promises are true. You are a child of God. Now let's, let's look at your life to see if, if that truly has happened within you and it's if that that uh, commitment to place your faith in Christ is yielding fruit. Yeah, and I would recommend uh, those who want to consider more of this issue of assurance to read a chapter out of J.C. Ryle's book, Ryle's book Holiness. Uh, What's it called? simply entitled Assurance. Oh, okay. Yes. That's helpful. <laughs> so, But, you know, assurance is different from perseverance, isn't it? Assurance mm-hmm. is the subjective feeling that we have about God's work, and perseverance is God's objective work. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as we have uh, considered before, a person might be assured without being saved without having the objective work of God's salvation. That's kind of scary because there are many, Jesus says, who who mm-hmm. think mm-hmm. that they have an adopted relationship with God who do not. And on the other hand, a person might be saved without being assured. And so uh, the, the glory and the, the goal that God has for each one of us is to receive God's salvation, to... Uh, plead with God for his work in our own soul to take root so that we would have eternal life and to believe that Jesus Christ offers that to us in himself and and through his death, burial, and resurrection. And then after having received the life of God, being men and women made new in Christ, then to pursue this subjective sense of of our comfort Hmm. of that salvation. And I want to close with one verse from 2 Peter chapter 1. It says, Therefore, my brothers... Be all the more eager to make your calling and your election sure, for if you do these things, you will never fall. And so he urges us to to pursue personal assurance in our own life by uh, watching and submitting our lives to the Holy Spirit's work so that we might become more like Jesus. And as we see the Holy Spirit working in us, then we make our calling and our election even more sure that we become more assured and comforted in that. Well, thank you for joining us here at Revive the Drive and uh, look forward to our next installment as we talk about more questions related to God's great salvation. Oh.